welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 220 of the podcast. I am so very glad that you're here. Today, we're tackling a topic that I know has really affected me both as a woman and in my motherhood as well, and that is insecurity, comparison, and just an overall lack of confidence as I am doing life sometimes. And there's plenty of voices that can get into our head, including our own, that judge us and tell us we're not enough and we're not doing well enough and we should be better and things. That is a lie, 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 friends. And today I'm talking with Kayla Amy. Kayla is a mom of two and a recently new author who wrote the book In Bloom, which tackles this very topic, how she went through an abiding insecurity to an abiding sense of confidence. And that is where we want our worth to lie in the confidence that we are enough in the sight of God. We are enough just as we are. And anyone telling us different is wrong. So I hope that this episode really speaks deep into your heart today and helps to show you that you're enough. Also, you might notice a little bit difference in audio quality today. My husband had to take my computer, and so I'm using a different setup today. So if it's a little tinnier than usual, that is the explanation. But I know their conversation is well-meaning enough for you to hear it just as it is. So let's get to it with Kayla Amy. All right. I'm so thrilled to be chatting with Kayla Amy today. Hey, Kayla. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Where am I speaking to you from today? Today, I am in California. I'm in Beverly Hills. I'm usually north of Atlanta, so big changes for me today. Yeah, big changes. We've had a cold snap here the last few weeks, and so it's probably been a little bit of a disappointment if you've been here a few days to want to get out of the cold of the East Coast and whatnot, but it's usually not this cold in California. You know, it's so funny. My aunt and uncle live in Los Angeles, so they took me sightseeing when I got into town yesterday morning, mm-hmm. and they brought me a big, heavy winter coat because they were afraid I was going to be cold, but I'm so <laughs> used, I think, to the warmer weather that I felt great. I right. thought the weather was so nice here. Oh, that's so good. I'm so glad to hear it. Well, I am just really thrilled to be chatting with you about a new book that you've just put out, and that is called In Bloom. Is this your debut book? This is actually my sophomore book. This is the second one that I've written. Awesome. And what was your first book about, and what was that called? Yeah, my first book was called Anchored, Finding Hope in the Unexpected, and um, it kind of walks through what happens when we're going through a dark time in our lives, and we have these unexpected circumstances, and how that looks um, Mm. and impacts our faith, because Mm. my daughter was born um, with a traumatic circumstance, and so we kind of walk that out in that book. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like faith is one thing when you're walking through it on your own terms and things are going okay and there's no big speed bumps to challenge putting into action what you really, truly, deeply believe God can do for you in those hardest of circumstances. And was there a big takeaway from that book? If people are interested in picking that up, they should and I'll link to it definitely. But what did you learn through that trying experience um, about God and about yourself? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from that one was really that, you know, 
life sometimes just happens to us and we can't control our circumstances. Mm -hmm. And when things get chaotic like that, it's important to remember that the, there's a constant in God. And that's the one thing that we can count on to anchor us when everything else seems to be falling apart. And that's very comforting um, and very, very helpful to have that to cling on to in mm -hmm. those kinds of times. Well, and I think I've heard from a lot of women that have had really, you know, catastrophic type things happen. You know, they felt that their anchor maybe was their husband and their marriage or their kids. And then when something went awry, really our anchor can't be found as much as we would like it to be in any person alone. You want a strong marriage. You want strong relationships with your kids. But ultimately, the only go-to that is solid and consistent and constant is the Lord. That's it. Right. It, yeah. it really is. And, and we talk a little bit in Anchored. Um, we share that it kind of all at one point, um, everything in my life sort of fell apart. Like our, our marriage, mm. um, you know, my my daughter's health and um, and everything, my good health, like everything that I thought all in one moment kind of collapsed. And the only thing that was still standing in all of that was the fact that God was unchanging because his promises are steadfast. Mm. I love that. Well, I'll have to pick that up. That is so awesome. And obviously, we're going to dig more into this because this is a motherhood podcast. And we're going to talk about your motherhood journey. So will you just give a little background on your family and what early motherhood looked like for you? Sure. Yeah. So I have two children. Um, Scarlett, my daughter, is she just turned seven. Mm. So she's our first. And uh, Ridley, my son, is about to turn two. Um and yeah, our introduction to parenthood and, and my introduction to motherhood specifically was really unique. I think that um, I had struggled with infertility for a long time before I became pregnant with Scarlett. And then when I gave birth to her, I was only 25 weeks pregnant. Oh. Um, I went into labor unexpectedly and had an emergency C-section. So she was born at 25 weeks and um, she weighed a pound, eight ounces. And she spent the first six months of her life in the NICU. Wow. So my introduction to new motherhood was not what I was expecting at no. all. Um, it was learning to kind of navigate that in a whole different way. Um, and then recently with the birth of my son, he was a very special surprise and a really unexpected blessing to our family. Um, it has been so neat because he he made it almost completely full term, but I got to bring him home with me. He didn't have to stay at the hospital. And so it was really great with him to kind of see what it's like to have a baby at home mm -hmm. and experience that part of motherhood and um, the difference in the sleepless nights and, and all of that. So I've been able to really treasure this time around. I think what, what most women experience the first time around. Right, right. And I've, I've heard from some women lately that have also struggled with infertility. You know, when people would say, if they were pregnant, you know, oh, I'm so sick, and they're complaining about their pregnancy, and the person who's struggling to get pregnant or keep a pregnancy is saying, gosh, I would never complain if I were her. But really, having that either or is not completely realistic. I think there can be both of those sentiments of, you know, struggling with pregnancy and, and the hardship that that is to carry a baby, but then also being grateful. Have you found that dichotomy as well? Absolutely. I think that that's a, my second pregnancy, especially mm. because I was on bed rest for the entire pregnancy. I had wow. to have a lot of monitoring and shots to keep me pregnant. So I didn't go into labor as early. And I was very, very sick. Um, I had HG. And so I was on IV 
fluids and no solid foods until I was like 18 weeks pregnant. So I was a very miserable pregnant yes, woman, but yes. I was so grateful to be pregnant every day and to get to get past that and stay pregnant and experience pregnancy. Um, and I think that those two emotions can live simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're, we're human and we're, we're created with complex emotions. We are, we are. But so as you would talk to other people about it, it's one thing these, you know, simultaneous emotions in your head, but then to actually express, you know, as you're laid up in bed, I'm sure you are, you know, struggling that you're missing out on, you know, being present with your daughter and everything. And that's just a really trying time how to express to other people that gratefulness when you look so miserable. It is, it is. And and I think that authenticity and, and honesty are important. And I think that they embolden us and that they um, empower our relationships when we're able to kind of express that dichotomy and say, you know, like to my mother-in-law who was so helpful with keeping my kids to be able to to say out loud like I feel so miserable and I'm so sad that I'm missing so much time with my daughter right now but thank you so much for serving our family like this and helping keep her and making me feel comfortable that she's feeling loved in the middle of this time and so um, I think being able to express ourselves that way um, kind of helps with that yeah and realizing it is for a season you're not going to be pregnant forever. You're not going to be on bed rest forever. And yes, you're missing out on a few days, a few weeks, a few months, but ultimately it'll all be worth it and it will all resume in a new normal eventually. Yes. Yes. That's a big, that's a big thing in our house. I think this is a season, you know, Mm -hmm. especially when you're raising small children, everything's a season because everything's a phase, right? So Um, I think that's a wonderful thing to kind of keep in perspective as a mom and a motherhood in general is that, that this is a little season that we have to, um, we have to see how we want to parent this right now, um, with our long-term goals and know that the next one is coming. This isn't going to last forever. You know, right now we're about to, um, we're about to potty train. So we're like, they're not going to college in diapers. This is the season. <laughs> and everyone says that. But when you're sitting on that bathroom floor with your little one, you're thinking, but my kid might be the only one. <laughs> I know. I Every mother that I know has said that, right? Yes. Like, my kid might. Yeah. My kid might be the one. Yep. But, um, but right. it, it all works out in time. Well, yeah. And just fill in the blank. My kid's going to be the only one in kindergarten with a binky. My kid's going to be bringing her security blanket to college, right? Like, everyone has that. But it's okay. We're all okay. We're all okay. Well, In Bloom, the newest book that has just come out for you is so well written. I enjoyed it so, so much. And sometimes I don't love memoirs from people that I'm not already familiar with because it feels kind of like they're telling personal stories and I kind of struggle to connect with why it matters that much to me. But for some reason, and I just think it's attributed to your talent and your storytelling, I connected so much with you and the way that you told your stories and the importance of those stories and the value it could have in in teaching me and inspiring me. So great job with that, Kayla. Oh, thank you. That really means a lot to me because my my biggest aim when I'm writing is that hopefully women will be able to to connect to the narrative mm-hmm. and to see a little bit of themselves in there so that 
Um, I think when you're addressing topics that are kind of difficult to talk about, that it's important to get close to someone first so that they feel open to to exploring something that may be difficult to address for themselves. Mm, That's a great approach. That's a great approach. And I think that same thing can apply whether you're writing something down, whether you're approaching something, a new friendship, a new relationship, things like that. Being willing to be vulnerable and share – it really connects you and bonds you, and you just did a great job with that. So this book is about insecurity. Have you always struggled with insecurity? What has that looked like for you? Yes, I've struggled with that my whole life. It's been it's been very much um, kind of an inner narrative for me, where even if things are going well, kind of inside my head, I'm playing this tape that's telling me like you don't measure up, you don't fit in. Um, even, even so much, and it's an ongoing struggle, right? It's, a, it's an ongoing thing that I have to walk daily with, with the Lord um, because I want to model a more confident um, and, and faith-filled walk to my children, um, especially my daughter. Mm-hmm. And so I constantly find myself having to be in a place where I am rewriting that inner narrative and, and making sure that the things that I'm saying to myself are things that God says about me and not these things that I might believe about myself that aren't true. Well, and I love how you say the inner narrative because there might be plenty of evidence on the outside and to the people looking at you thinking you are a confident person, you're accomplishing things, you're capable, but the inner narrative is really what drives really our motivation, how we feel about ourselves, and ultimately what we're able to become because it can really stifle you. And I have dealt with that same exact struggle. I mean, growing up, I am very petite. I have always been very short, much shorter than my peers. And so as a person in musical theater previously, that worked my advantage in getting some roles where I looked much younger, but I was older. And so directors liked that. But at the same time, people are patting me on the head and saying how cute I am when I'm 16 years old. Right. And that's not what you want to hear when you're 16 years old. And that's not how you want people to treat you and perceive you, even though by the same token, it's also working to my benefit. But the inner narrative is you're short, you're cute, people never view you as confident and capable and things like that. But the evidence does not show that. And it's really frustrating uphill battle. Yes, I you and I are the same. I'm five feet. I've always I've yep. always had that same sort of thing. I was telling someone at work recently, I'm not the intern. Yes. Well, I was a teacher. I was a teacher and I subbed and I was at the front of the class and commanding the class and the principal walked in to check on something and he's like, okay, where's the teacher? I'm like, uh, hello. (laughs) But I blended in. I did. And so just by the way I looked, I did not command that respect or attention. So interesting. That's, that's interesting. That similarity. So what were some of the triggers of insecurity for you? Well, I think insecurity is typically caused, I think the catalyst is almost always an interaction that makes us feel inadequate. Mm. So um, if someone acts towards us in a way that makes us question ourselves or makes us feel like we don't measure up, um, I think that kind of gets in our head and makes us think, oh, maybe what I did wasn't enough. Maybe I don't fit in this way. So for me, it was very much about needing a sense of belonging and feeling as though I didn't fit in. Um, and, and I struggle with that a lot still. I'm at a, I'm at a work conference right now, and um, I came here, and I, I got in, and I was a little frazzled, and um, this is a conference for, like, interior designers for my day job. I'm not an interior designer. 
Um, I'm just attending for work. And so I went to the first reception. I went down. I looked at the room. I looked at everyone. And I was like, wow, everyone here is so trendy. And they all just look like they stepped right out of a fashion magazine. Oh, man. And I turned around and went right back upstairs to my hotel room and changed my whole outfit. Really? <laughs> I was, really? I was so nervous about not fitting in. Hmm. And so um, for me, it's been that for a very young age. Yeah, not feeling like the poser. And I felt like this in fitness. I've talked about this a lot lately, feeling like I'm not – my brothers were always the athletic ones, and I was the music one. And so I'm not athletic. I'm not good at athletic things. I'm not a runner. I look like a poser in workout gear, right? And it's amazing how much that has transpired into my ability to actually incorporate that important part of life into my habits with a positive attitude because of that mental block. And I've only recently realized this. And we all do yes. this in areas. And it, and I do think sometimes it can it can happen in our families. And I think it's important that we recognize and we sort of course correct. Because yes. otherwise, I think that what happens is we start looking at other people um, more critically. And, and we start comparing ourselves to them. Mm. And then we become envious. And then that breeds resentment. And yes. so I think being in, on, in control of our inner narrative and making sure that our, our heart narrative is reflective of um, scriptural affirmations of what God says about us is what helps keep us from going down that path because that path prevents us from being in good relationships with people. It keeps us from connecting and being vulnerable because we're afraid of what that what other people are thinking of us is what we're thinking about ourselves. And that's almost always never true. Mm. Definitely not. Definitely not. And have there been certain triggers in motherhood specifically for you as a mom? So it's really funny for me because when I had my first baby, um, I was in the NICU with her for six months. And so I had this amazing support system of nurses and doctors that really built me up as a mom. And they were very much like they're their sort of refrain was, you're her mom, so you know best, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's how they sent me out into motherhood, which was wonderful. And then I got out in the world and I discovered that like everyone else is judging your parenting. (laughs) Total strangers in the grocery store. They care a lot if your baby is not wearing socks in June in Georgia when it's like 90 degrees outside. They will tell you. (laughs) So um, it was a big shock to me to kind of experience the first time that I realized I cared what other people thought when they saw me parenting my children, maybe more than I cared about, um, in the moment, not always, but in the moment I would care about that over thinking about how was the best way that I should respond to my child from my child's heart Mm. versus what I thought other people might be thinking about how I was parenting and what I was doing. Um, and so that's been an interesting part of motherhood and seeing how it translated there. Yeah, that's super tricky. And we've all been there. The sock comments, the, yeah, absolutely. Wiping their noses, you know, things like that. So how have you worked to overcome that, both as a, just as a person, as a woman, as somebody walking into the conference and not feeling enough, the mom in the Target whose child does not have socks and you feel okay about it, but suddenly you're questioning, well, should I feel good about it? How have you made those efforts to to walk towards confidence and away from that insecurity? One of the biggest things that we teach people through the book is um, is embracing scriptural affirmations, meditating on on promises from scripture um, to combat those negative thoughts. And what works for me is I like to start a journal, and um, I keep kind of a feelings journal. 
so that I can see what triggers those feelings in me. Hmm. What happened to make me feel this way? What was the catalyst for that? And then I can, that way I can kind of see, is there a pattern here? Is there one specific thing? Like, is it someone judging my parenting or is it someone making a comment that makes me feel defensive? Um, that brings this out of me and makes me have this critical conversation with myself in my head. And, and if so, I can go to the Bible and I can pull out the scriptures, um, about what God says that are true and I can write them down. And then that way, the next time I have a moment where I'm, I'm slipping into some of that critical thinking and that negative inner monologue, I can stop and say, this is how I normally feel about this, but this is what God says about this. Mm. You know, when I feel like, um, I don't belong here and I don't fit in, like God tells me you always have a place, you, you know, you're never alone. And, um, I think that by putting those sort of in our head and and meditating on those and, and trying to rewrite that narrative, we see ourselves in a more positive light and then we become confident not only in ourselves, but more confident in God's word. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Kayla so far. Isn't she just wonderful? But I wanted to thank one of our show sponsors and that is Yoga Glow. I don't know about you, but I love yoga. It feels so restorative to my soul. I feel stronger. I feel like my posture's better. But in this season of life, I'm having a really hard time getting to the yoga studio. That's why I love Yoga Glow Online, where I can find yoga and meditation classes right from the comfort of my own home. Anytime you're ready to start a practice, there are thousands of classes from the very best instructors throughout the world, teaching at every level, for every interest, right onto your phone, your smartwatch, your computer, right in your living room. I love squeezing into practice during nap time or after the kids go to sleep before I go to bed, and I am always so glad that I did. You can get your first two weeks of Yoga Glow for free when you sign up on yogaglow.com slash EMP. That's yogaglo.com slash EMP for two weeks free, yogaglow.com slash EMP. Thank you so much, Yoga Glow, for sponsoring this podcast, and now let's get back to my conversation, the lovely Kayla. If we would live next door to each other, we would be best friends, Kayla. You, we are just speaking the same language. This is, I've done so much thought work this year, and what I've really learned is that events are neutral. All events in life are neutral. It is the meaning that we assign to them and then the feelings we feel because of that meaning, right? So you walking downstairs from that hotel into a sea of put-together interior designers, it means nothing until you decide they're cuter than I am, they're more put together, I'm a poser. And then those thoughts create those feelings. You walk right back upstairs, right? And so the Mm -hmm. second you can walk into that same exact room and think, I'm going to ask her where she got her cute sweater, or I'm going to ask her more about that great talk she gave to get tips on how to implement it in my life. That is confidence. That is feeding off of other people's value and gifts in a way that's not threatening to our own that can really add to our life and we can stand tall in who we are, right? Yes, yes. And I, I was up here in my room, um, I was up here in my room, <laughs> changing my outfit and then meditating on my scriptures and mm-hmm. then thinking I'm going back downstairs because what I want to do is stay here. I, don't, I didn't yeah. have to attend the event for last night. Um, I was like, what I want to do is just order room service and like feel sad about myself <laughs> yeah. and maybe watch some Netflix. Yeah. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to believe that I am enough 
and I'm going to go downstairs and start having conversation that leads to relationships with people Mm. because I think that is abundant life. Yes. And how was it? It was wonderful. It was so great. Someone complimented my earrings. So see, it was probably (laughs) better than I thought it was in my head because I think we tend to make it worse than we think it is. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so you talked about modeling this for your kids, especially your daughter. What did you mean by that? And how does that play out in your home? It plays out in two specific ways. And, And one is that I want my daughter to see the way that I see myself and talk about myself. I want her to hear how I talk about myself Mm. to be in line with how God feels about us and how God thinks we should feel about ourselves. So I don't want her to see me looking in the mirror and um, degrading my own appearance. I don't want her to hear me call myself stupid because um, children mimic us. And Mm. if she hears me doing that, that's what she's going to say to herself. That's what she's going to think is normal. Um, And so we do a couple of things. And one of the things that, that we do is we kind of have a a saying in our house, which is that we build confidence and we don't break it, Mm -hmm. which means that in our parenting and in my motherhood, what we try to do is make sure that we're modeling that positive self-talk using scripture as our basis. And so we teach our kids three things because they're children. So they, three short ones is easier for them. (laughs) Um, So we teach them to memorize Ephesians 2.10, which says, I am God's incredible work of art. Um, or I am God's masterpiece. If you have smaller kids, we teach them Romans fifteen seven, which says I am accepted, and Romans five eight, which is I am greatly loved. Because I think that each of those three things is where um, where we can find ourselves struggling with being insecure when mm-hmm. we feel unloved, when we don't feel accepted, or when we feel unattractive, like we don't measure up. And so those three promises are things that we try to say frequently and that we try to remind each other of frequently so that we can say, I understand that you feel this way and your feelings are valid and um, it's okay to have emotions and and feel sad about that. But let's also talk about what we know is true. What we know is true is that God tells us we're God's incredible work of art. Mm, I love that so much. And you can't underestimate doing that from a young age. What power that gives your children? Well, my sweet girl was in preschool when she came home and told me like, mommy, I have to buy a Hello Kitty shirt because the other girls say I can't play with them because my clothes aren't good enough. See? They said only Hello Kitty shirts are good enough. Yes. And I was just like, I didn't expect it to start so early. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and it broke my heart, but it also really made me sit and think like, I, I thought this talk was going to come later in her life, but mm. we have to have it now, right? So. So what do we do now to try to build up that foundation of confidence so that she doesn't think she needs to buy a new shirt to have Mm. friends? Mm. Wow. You know, and it's like those same thoughts as a mature adult enter our head. And so it's no wonder it enters the head of, you know, a child. But modeling that for them, what we do with that, showing them how to process through that, that's it, right? So it's both the instruction that we give them with our words and the affirmations we give them with scripture and then also just the modeling of it. And like you said, you're careful with how you talk about yourself. Yes, and and other people as well. I think I think we try to, to make sure that we speak love and I think that's really the start of that because um, mm-hmm. you know, children will speak the way that we do. So I want her to speak to herself. Um, you know, with love. And one of my favorite, I think, 
verses about motherhood is Proverbs 1.9, which says a mother's teaching will be like a garland of grace. Mm. And um, in the days that the Proverbs were written, uh, the garland, the symbolism of that, represented protection, but it also represented um, an ornamentation that enhances. And so when I think of motherhood and when I think of what I want to leave my children with, I think that I want to, to teach them scripture in a way that celebrates the way that God uniquely made them so that I'm not just suppressing them. I don't know about you. I have a wild spirited child. <laughs> so I do. Yes. I don't want to suppress her spirit, but I want to, um, I want to enhance it. I want to, I want to enhance the unique God given personality she has, um, with the things that God's already given me to say to her about who she is. Hmm. Oh, that's so good. And what I love is that if we're all a masterpiece, that is such a unique description, right? Like we're all an, a unique piece of art. We are not a co- cookie cutter piece of replicated art. We are unique. And so no matter if you have a spirited child, a strong-willed child, a shy child, you know, I, I don't like, you know, labels like that necessarily to put on them, but wherever your kid is on the spectrum, special needs or not, typical, strong, whatever it is, that masterpiece is who God created them to be. Do they need to be directed and taught how to use that skill set? Absolutely. But when we value them as unique and and sent here with this specific set of traits and strengths and weaknesses, it's a much different way of parenting. It is, and it's it's a different way of parenting than I thought I would parent. Sure, too. what do you mean? I definitely like... I like um, to be a little more rigid, mm-hmm. and I like rules and boundaries and <laughs> firm yeses and nos. Mm-hmm. And I've discovered that, um, especially my oldest, my youngest is still so little that he's just like sweet and and yeah. <laughs> either is giving me kisses or he's throwing a tantrum. That's it. Yeah. He's, he's got two levels right now. <laughs> but but with Scarlett in the last seven years, I've really been able to see that she challenges me in the best way as a mom because how she needs to be parented doesn't really line up to who I thought I might be as a mom and how I thought I would parent but forcing me to um to be in constant communication with God and to pray over what what does she need from me and and how do I parent her in a way that is um affirming to who she is and to who God's created her to be and it looks different and it's it's not as easy as I thought it would be on paper, mm-hmm. um, but it's been so wonderful, to, and I feel really blessed to be able to see, um, I think, a lot of the special moments that have come out of really trying to to change my motherhood to be attuned to her heart needs versus just what suits me best. Right, absolutely, and it doesn't only come in the form of external behavior and then behaving a certain way. There's really a lot of emotional management that happens too. And sometimes I really catch myself being like, oh, come on, be happy. Okay, go join that team. You'll be fine. And just kind of brushing off what's really going on on the inside for them and not acknowledging that really natural and common insecurity they might be feeling or that they might be in a bad mood. And I get in a bad mood, so why am I not creating space for that? But really trying to understand and acknowledge and accept Sometimes bad moods happen, but this is what we can do with it and things like that. So that's that's a yes. whole other side of it. Yeah, I agree. My um, my sweet niece, she's the same as us. She's much smaller than everyone else in her class. And she was telling me recently how much she's 
disliking being the littlest one in her mm-hmm. class because she's about to be 10 and so she wants to be seen as a big kid you know mm-hmm. and um and so I was telling someone that we were having that conversation and she had asked me did it bother you did it bother you when you were my age and you were the smallest one and the person I was talking to said well did you tell her that it didn't and it was no big deal and I was like well no like I told her it did bother me back then yeah. It did It did make me feel the way that she feels. And I think that that's okay that she's had those feelings. But here are the, the great things about her, you know, other than her size. So mm. um, so hopefully maybe talking to her that way will help her, her have that kind of understanding that her feelings and her emotions are okay to have. Yes. And then you just are guiding your children to how to, how to channel those emotions Bingo. into that faithful confidence. Yes, because it's not abnormal to feel insecure about your body as a growing girl and woman even. It's not, you know, abnormal to feel that comparison. It's not abnormal to feel any of that ways. But when our kids think suddenly, no, you should just love your body. Oh, you're fine the way you are. Oh, small is cute. When we're just told how to think about it instead of acknowledging that you're wrestling through that, but you can end up okay in the end, we got to teach them how to wrestle with that. We have to teach them how to wrestle with their faith when they're struggling and have questions and problems that they can come out on the other side okay with their self-identity. All of those things. We have to teach them that and not just put a blanket label of, "Oh, you're fine. You're cute. You're cute. You're good." Because that's not I think not so too. Anything. And I do think that the the strong argument for that right now, if you're raising children right now, mm-hmm. the digital landscape that we live in gives especially our girls so many messages about who they're supposed to be, Mm. what they're supposed to look like, the things that they're supposed to do. And um, even just subtly all the time, the images, the messages, social media, everything about it is designed to to assert this influence over their lives and the way that they think and see um, themselves. And so as, as your child's mom, you have the closest path to their heart um, in your family. I think, you know, you're parenting, but outside of God, like you're the closest person to your to child's heart to be able to help navigate through that. And so I, I feel so strongly, especially because I, I work in digital media. So um, mm. I feel really, really strongly about making sure that as a mom, I'm, I'm aware of the outside input that is constantly being put on our children that they don't even know about so that I can help guide them um, to a foundation that's true. Mm, That is beautiful. That is so powerful. As a mom, you have the closest path to your child's heart. That is so beautiful. Wow, that is really powerful. And so writing in Bloom, writing a book about insecurities and pointing towards confidence were there ever points along that writing journey where you felt like whenever you slipped back into going back up to your hotel room and feeling insecure again or inadequate or falling into the comparison trap that you felt uncertain about what to write? Or was this message very clear and writing it was a way of kind of working it out in your own life? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, it's almost always a bit of the latter okay. when I write. It's always very cathartic. I also, I struggled a lot with, am I ready to tell this message? I still struggle with this. I still struggle with insecurity. Um, for me, this is a process of becoming. It's not It's not me in a place saying, I'm totally fine. I don't have this issue anymore. It's saying, I've gotten so much better um, walking this path with God and learning these things about God. And I hope to keep getting better with this in the future. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I had, ironically, a lot of insecurity about whether or not it was okay for me to talk about this, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. um, I, I felt like, but I'm not, I'm not, I haven't overcome completely, right? Right. Um, and, and then during the writing process, I really kind of decided that since I was nervous about that, what I would do is I would talk to a lot of other women and get a lot of other women's stories. And I just discovered that we almost all felt the same way and didn't know it. You know, we all kind of looked at each other and thought that each other had it all together, that none of us struggle. We we were, you know, like our friends, I'm like, she's a great mom. She's not going to even understand when I tell her I feel this way. But then when we all got together, my friends were so gracious to like all go to go out and like bare their souls to me. Mm -hmm. Um, We just kind of had this moment where everyone's sitting there, um, you know, with such diverse backgrounds and different family types and um, different childhoods. We're all we're all talking and realizing like we all kind of have the same struggle and none of us knew this about each other. And we're good friends. We've known each other for a long time. Um, And and that's what gave me the confidence to do it was was knowing that I think we all felt so much more connected after that being vulnerable with each other and, and we wanted to support each other in it. And so I think that made me feel like, no, I, I want to go ahead and I want to go ahead and, and help women find the connection just like this. So one of the reasons we put the conversation and study guide in the back was in the hopes that women would kind of read this book together and have that same sort of conversation. Because if insecurity prevents relationships, then maybe if we can be vulnerable enough to talk about it with one another, we'll be able to grow the very thing that we really want. Oh, I love that so much. And that is is such a great answer because, I mean, is it really realistic to think we can ever be free of feeling insecure ever? No, but we can make great strides in it. We can constantly be more aware of the narrative that's in our mind and, you know, course correcting when it pops up and flares up. We can experience it less frequently. Those are attainable type goals, but to ever rid ourselves of, it's like saying that we'll never sin again. You know, like that's just an unrealistic expectation. So to never put this story out, to never put out what you've learned for fear of being inadequate about inadequacy, that's a real disservice to this really important conversation. So I really applaud you for that. Well, and a big part of insecurity too, I think for me, the way that it manifests is in perfection. I feel like I need to be perfect Mm. before I can call something good Mm. and, um, and so that was, I think, my biggest challenge of breaking through that and, and knowing that, that sometimes trying to attain perfection means I walk past something that's, that's good for me mm-hmm. um, and that's good to do. And, it, and sometimes I'm trying so hard to be the perfect wife or the perfect mom that I'm not, I'm missing what's actually happening and what's actually needed because what's needed from me and my family is not perfection. My kids don't need me to be perfect. They just need me to love them well. Yes, that could be not more true. Um, I love the parenting expert, Dr. Laura Markham, and she always says, anything can wait but love. Anything, anything can wait. Mm -hmm. Even knowing the best answer when your kids have a tricky question and you're not sure how to answer, just start with love. Start with love and you can always start in the right place. So good, so good. Well, I just think this is such an important conversation to be having in this day and age, not only for ourselves as women to battle this this insecurity and this comparison trap and 
and get more on a course towards confidence, but also because we are moms, pointing our kids towards that confidence and 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 teaching them how to wrestle with those emotions that keep them from that confidence, that is of utmost importance. So I just love this message so much and I truly, truly loved your book, Kayla. It is so great and I'm gonna link to where to get it on extraordinarymomspodcast.com. What was the best part of writing this book for you? I'm sorry, the what, what part? What was the best part of writing the book for you? Oh, the best part, okay. The best part of writing this book, um, I have wanted to write this book since, gosh, high school maybe? Wow. Um, and I started this book before I ever even wrote the first book. And then I put it aside for a while to do a little more work. And um, so one of the best things is seeing it come to fruition. But truly the best part is you know, when you read the book, there's a lot of, of personal stories in there about just a lot of rejection that I felt maybe from peers in school or, or hard things that I, I experienced in relationships. Um, being able to see some of the worst things that I've, I've gone through and the hardest things that I've gone through, um, having God be able to take that and turn those dark moments in my life into light that, that helps someone else mm-hmm. walk through it is, is just beyond anything that I could have ever dreamed of when I wanted to even write. Um, so I just feel really lucky to be able to, um, to do that with yeah. these stories because I think that, you know, God's in the business of restoration. And so seeing those to hard times turned into something like this um, is just such a reminder of what God can do with what is broken. Right. And I love that the topic was on your heart in high school, but it would have been a very different book had you written it 10, 15 years ago, right? And so just the beauty of your life experience added to this concept that you knew was so important. What a book. So good. So it's called In Bloom. You can pick it up anywhere books are sold, and I'll link to it on the website. Kayla, I always ask my guests just one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? I would tell her not to try so hard, that she doesn't have to try so hard or strive so hard. Um, Because sometimes, like I was saying, sometimes all of the striving causes us to miss those little moments. Mm. And so taking the time to really be present and experience life God has given us. That's beautiful. Where can people find you online, Kayla? I am everywhere online at Kayla Amy. Very clever at naming my online spaces. (laughs) Um, KaylaAmy.com, and then I love to chat on Facebook and Instagram. Perfect. Awesome. Kayla, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been such an encouraging, inspiring, and thought-provoking conversation, really. And great job on that book. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for being willing to, um, to, to get more people involved in the conversation. Absolutely. Have a great, great day. You too. It was so great having Kayla on the show today. I love this conversation so much. It got me really thinking about the way that not only am I thinking about my own confidence, but then how I'm exhibiting my confidence and the way that I'm modeling that for my kids as they're working to develop their confidence. It's a lot there. (laughs) It's a lot to unpack. You can pick up In Bloom wherever books are sold. Everything will be linked on my website at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. You can also see pictures of Kayla and her cute family. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Coming up this Friday, we have a Mom of the Month Award episode. So thank you so much for nominating if you're listening to this on Tuesday. 
Um, we'll be picking a winner, and that winner will be featured on Friday's episode. So thanks for tuning in every single week, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.